0: you have your bibles we're gonna we're gonna turn to Luke uh, chapter 7 we're getting back into our journey through the gospel of Luke we take our time doing it so the way that structure is structured is we'll be in a couple chapters for a couple months and then we'll jump into another topic and then we'll dive back into it and so uh, that's where we find ourselves in in Luke chapter 7 I was thinking about it uh, this week there was a time when i I was i was either 11 or 12 or 13 years old and for some reason uh, i was given the privilege to uh, meet the great pudge rodriguez okay now at the time he was just the good pudge rodriguez or the promising pudge rodriguez but but now as it's turned out it's the great Pudge Rodriguez, and, and I remember this game where uh, we went to it. They they ushered us down this tunnel, you know. And now at the time, I was um, planning on being the very first professional left-handed catcher in major league history. Okay, uh, it didn't. It took me all the way until my freshman year in high school to realize how quickly that dream would be dashed when the coach said, "You're no longer a catcher. You're now an outfielder." Um, but that's cool. Outfielders get all the chicks, anyways. So, um, but but I remember I remember thinking, dude, I'm gonna meet Pudge. Uh, we're gonna hit it off, right? We're gonna be best friends, and uh, and he's gonna give me some pointers on how I can really just follow in his footsteps. And uh, it turns out you need a lot of talent in order to do that. But that's neither here nor there. But I remember we we get ushered down this tunnel, and then there's this door and. Uh, and they're like hey just wait here he's going to come out this door and and the anticipation was building and and he comes out and he literally uh I, I don't think I'm misremembering this he comes out confused as to why is he standing in front of these children and uh and at the time he did not speak very uh good English right and he still even to this day struggles but but I remember For those five minutes, getting to sit with, talk to him, you know, and it was like, hey, my name's Brandon. I play baseball, too, you know, and he was just being pleasant. And and then they uh, some person says, all right, he's got to go now. And so he leaves. And and I had literally my relationship with Pedro Rodriguez lasted for about five minutes. Um, But that did not keep me from going around to everybody that I knew to tell them about the experience that I had with the great pudge rodriguez right like i would work it in as if he had invited me uh, to his house for the weekend and we played video games and had long toss you know and 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 i say that because over these next couple weeks i think that's the sense that i would um anticipate from the people we find in luke chapter 7 okay there's going to be five different scenes with five different people who each essentially have a meet and greet Now, what Jesus brings them is much larger than what Pedro Rodriguez brought into my life. Uh, Because we went and sat in a section, turns out it was the nosebleeds. Uh, And so I was like, well, I guess we're not best of friends after all. But these people, I really anticipate when they have this meeting with Jesus and Jesus moves on their behalf, that, that they come back to, for the rest of their lives, they're that person who goes to the party and says, hey, did... Did I ever tell you about that time I ran into Jesus? And then they eventually, you know, you, we all have those friends, right, who tell the same story over and over and over again. Now, at least for them, uh, you wouldn't get tired of hearing this story because what Jesus will do in his interaction with them will be simply amazing. And and so so what we're going to find, like I said, in chapter 7, there's going to be these five scenes where Jesus has an encounter with these people. And, and, and what we're going to see is, is just how he relates to them. And, and so like today, we're going to see how Jesus can be amazed by the faith of a person. And then we'll see next week how Jesus uh, will be moved by the grief of people. And then we'll see how Jesus answers questions that surround doubt. Uh, and I, I think that's one of my favorite weeks that we're going to get to. Uh, and then the fourth week, we're going to uh, see, I'm sorry, the fifth week, we're going to see how, how Jesus is the Savior uh, really to the big, what we would consider the biggest of sinners. And and so so what we would hope throughout these weeks, so what my hope is, that this would be more than just Bible time. Uh, that it would be more than just me coming in and saying, hey guys, um, let's read a story out of the Bible so we can all go home. Uh, but that that what we would pay special attention to is the movement of Jesus and the interaction that he has with people who aren't, as we'll see today, inside the fold of what we would consider his kind of people and but but what we're going to see is is these five windows onto who jesus is all right does that sound fair uh so hopefully hopefully we'll be able to do that over these next couple weeks and uh now as we arrive in chapter seven uh it follows chapter six because that's the way numbers work vines right so 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 in chapter six jesus has essentially wrapped up what what we call the sermon on the mount it's one of the greatest uh, areas that we find in the Bible for, uh, when Jesus says, hey, if you really want to start a revolution, uh, if you really want to live out the gospel in your life, then pay attention to these steps. And it says that as he finished speaking, Jesus is going to go to a place called Capernaum, uh, which is essentially kind of his ministry headquarters. You with, uh, and so, so this is where we find ourselves in, uh, Luke chapter seven, uh, and we'll start in, in verse one. Says, after he has finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now, a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, he, being the centurion, is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, he is the one who built us, our synagogue. Now, now, as we talk about that, let's talk about the centurion. All right? A centurion is simply a man who is uh, in the military, who's, who's roughly in charge of about a hundred men. Okay? So, so a centurion very easily would be considered uh, loosely like a captain, you know, in, in our military way. So he's kind of in this, he's important, but he's not super important. Uh, you would think of him as, as middle management. And so he comes in, and, and what we find out is that he deeply cares about his servant. Now, the audience that's reading this would take note, because uh, at the time, Capernaum is under Roman occupation. So the Jewish people are are really a... A nation who has no independence. They're being occupied by the Romans and that creates in them a lot of tension between them. And, and so, so to find that you have a, a centurion who cares deeply about his servant was unique in the sense that uh, ultimately what this would be is like having a servant or a slave in your house and they would very easily be viewed as disposable. Uh, because why would a Roman really care and value the life of a Jewish person? so we find something unique about this specific man right that he cares for him deeply and and so but he hears about the reputation of Jesus and he 's concerned about his servant and so but but he 's unsure I think this is what happens i think he 's unsure as to Jesus actually responding on. His behalf, And so he sends uh, people from the Jewish church to go speak to the Jewish rabbi. Uh, and and so, so he hopes that it plays out the way he would hope. And so he comes in, uh, verse 5. Uh, so, so they say, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he's the one who built the synagogue. Let's go to verse 6. And when Jesus went with them, uh, when, when he was not far from the home, from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I do not presume to come to you, but say the word, and let the servant be healed. For I, too, am a man sent under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes, and... To my servant, do this, and he does it right. So it's just pretty much the way parenting works in your house, right? You say go, they go. You say do this, they do this, right? Yeah, no, that's okay. Good. That can't tell you how good that makes me feel. <laughs> that you don't know what you're doing either, and so, so he comes in, and, and and I think I think verse six is probably the most beautiful of this whole page, right? Because uh, the Centurion sends the Jewish friends, uh, and now very easily that. We we find the love that the Jewish people have for the centurion because because they could have gone reluctantly to Jesus, but they seem to plead his case for the centurion, like, "Hey, this is a good guy, this is one we can trust." And and so he comes in. I think one of the most beautiful parts of this whole passage is verse six, where it just simply says that. And Jesus went with them, but then there's this confusing scene that develops, right? Because we. We see early on this desperate plea of, Jesus, please come quickly and save this servant, right? And then all of a sudden, as Jesus is approaching the house, these, these friends of the centurion come out and they're like, hey, don't, don't bother. And we would expect to see them say, hey, don't bother, your servant has died, you're, you're too late. But that's not what we see unfold, is it? What we find, uh, what we see unfold is that the centurion seems to be torn between his unworthiness of being in the presence of Jesus and his love for the servant. And so, so, so when he comes at, he says, He says, just, I believe that if you just say the word, it'll be, pl- it'll be plenty. I believe just, just from you mentioning it from here down the road, it can get done. And I love verse number nine. Because he comes in. It says, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at who? Him. The centurion. Think now. Think about that. That Jesus Christ looks at this guy and he's like, That's amazing. It's amazing it says jesus marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him said i tell you not even in israel have i found such faith and that had to be a shot right that that had to had to sit hard and sit heavy because here you have the savior of the world who at the time is moving on behalf of the jewish people and he said i haven't found a guy like this one amongst you guys not even in Israel have I found such faith. And and when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. And and I love this scene because the centurion understood ultimately what what escaped the Jewish people. And and you see this when you walk through the Gospels. That that they're constantly on this search of of who is Jesus? What is Jesus doing? What what is his purpose? purpose here and and so so you have these multitudes who would follow jesus and they would be amazed by his miracles they would be fed by just a, a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread and and then they would come back the next day being like hey remember that party trick you did last night you know hey we could we could do some again right right we could do that they walked and they saw Him heal. They, they sat and they witnessed His amazing power and they, they listened. They listened over and over again to this profound wisdom as He says, hey, I want to explain to you the heart of the Father. I want you to understand that. that, that that's when Jesus speaks to the Jewish people, that's what He's doing. He's pleading with them to understand the heart of their Heavenly Father. Because this was a people who made religion Separate from the love of God. And so he looks at them, and he, and everything that Jesus does is about that extension. And so, so now, what it seems, the Jewish people, no one could penetrate the authority of Christ. They couldn't get it. In fact, Jesus will say over and over and over again, me and the Father are one. Me and the Father are one. Me and the Father are one. Whatever God can do, I can do. Whatever uh, God can do, I can do. And they will look at him and be like, I don't, I don't think that's the way it works. And yet he'll do all these things that show that he has the authority and the power of God. And it seems like the centurion is the first person to really recognize this, to which Jesus is amazed. And he looks and he's like, why aren't you guys getting this? Why aren't you seeing this? And and he's like the first one to realize that when Jesus is described in the Bible as Emmanuel, it means God literally with us. And you want to know when that designation was given to him? When he was born. So before we knew how brilliant and how amazing he was, God says, hey, this is my son, and this is God literally with you. And the centurion seems to get it. And he's like, I'm not worthy of you coming inside my house. Just speak the word, and I believe it's going to happen. And that's exactly the way it played out. Right? What a depressing scene it would be if, if they say, just speak the word, and then Jesus speaks the word, and then, it's like, and then the guy died. Right? It's not the way it works out, because, because what we're finding is, is a larger picture than even our own selves here. Because what we have are, are two themes that are kind of running concurrently throughout these verses. That, that we, we have a smaller theme and then we have a larger theme. And, and we'll address the smaller theme because I think that it's, it's our way of applying what's being said here. And, and the smaller theme is simply this, that, that when my belief and His authority, Jesus' authority, collide... I can see great things. I can. I can can see great things. That that it's not until our faith is moving. In fact, uh, the the great James Boy said it this way, that the greatness of this man's faith, the centurion's faith, was not merely that he believed Jesus could heal from a distance, but it was in the degree to which he understood that Jesus spoke with with God's authority and as God. And so, so so, we find Jesus trying to teach us about faith throughout the Bible. We'll find these sections when he says, you, you know, if you just have faith the size of a mustard seed, it can expand and it can grow and it can do mighty and powerful things. He'll, he'll talk about if you, would, if you would believe, if you would have faith, you could tell this mountain to throw itself into the sea. And, and now we t- tend to read those verses as if you have to be super spiritual and you have to be deeply devoted in order to move a mountain. And what Jesus says that, that with God all things are possible. Every single time. And so, so God activates so many of his miracles through the extensions of the growing faith of his people. That's what it means. And I wonder, now this isn't an accusation... So everybody can just take a breath and get off my back. But I wonder how many miracles we would see around us if we truly believed that God would move on our behalf. If we truly believed that. Stink, I wonder how many of you would get a good night's sleep if you truly believe that God is moving on on your behalf, that, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's what we find in the book of Hebrews. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. With faith, he moves in our presence for the purpose of his glory, that, that we don't have to walk around. And this is, this is what's amazing to me, that we have a whole society of Christians. We have a whole group of Christians who are walking in every single day with their fingers crossed that God might do something on their behalf. And what he promises is that every single day, he walks with us in every single way, and he says, I want to move on your behalf. Now, now, where we get that wrong is we think, we, he, we think he says, I want to move according to your comforts. Right? And so our arguments with him become, well, I'm not comfortable, therefore you must not be nice. And he says, no, I'm moving for the glory of my name, and that's for the benefit of you. And I love the centurion because he's like, man, just you're down the road, you're around the corner, just say the word, it's gonna happen. And it does. It does. So we don't we don't have to live. You don't have to live a life with wishful thinking. Saying, Man, I hope I hope God's aware of me today. Because He's aware of you because He loves you, and He loves you because He sent His Son for you, and His promise is that He will never leave you or forsake you. So that's that, that's the smaller thing. That that our faith can actually activate God's miracles when it's all according to his purpose. Alright? Now the larger theme, and this is the one that I hope you would be able to take home today. I hope when you're sitting around your water cooler, right? If you get one at your office now. I don't know. I don't know how it works anymore in these days. And somebody says, What did you do yesterday? And they said, Oh, I went to church and this guy rambled for a while. Well, what did he ramble about? That you would be able to connect this thought to that statement. The larger theme is that the authority that Jesus has to heal is the same authority he has to forgive the sinner. The authority that Jesus has to heal is the same authority that he has to forgive the sinner. And we find this to be so important because Jesus is more than just a healer, right? We say this all the time. If you walk away and somebody says, who is Jesus? And say, well, he's a guy who can heal, you've missed it. You don't get what he has done. All of those things, all of the miracles, all of the healings, all of the teachings was to express to you your desperate need for him to move in your heart as both your Savior and your Lord. That's why he came. So as we talk about his authority, that that authority that can heal is also the authority that forgives, which is really what we need, that's all it is. You know, our, our need to be healed, uh, forgiven of our sins, is just our need to be healed in our hearts. So he comes in, and he talks about this authority in, in Matthew chapter 28. It's like the closing scenes of the gospel. And he's sitting with his disciples, and he gives them what, what we call the great commission, right? And it rests over them, and it rests over us, if you are indeed found in Christ Jesus. He says this, he says, He says, Jesus came to them, uh, came and said to them, and I want you to note this, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, behold, I will be with you always. And then in one of the most ironic um, statements in all the bible he ascends to the heavens (laughs) he's like i'll be with you always see you later you know so let me let me give you two quick thoughts about this authority okay because it's really important that we get this that god grants jesus authority to rescue man from sin that is why he has been sent that's why john the baptist will look and say that's the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world That's why uh, when Jesus is being baptized in the desert, why why the cloud and the dove descend, you know, and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, that God grants Jesus the authority to rescue man from sin. So so everything we see Jesus do in the Gospels is leading to this sacrifice on the cross, his, his resurrection, his ascension. Again, all the miracles, all the healings, all the teachings, it's preparing us to see very clearly who he is, what he's been sent, to do and and if, if we confuse this purpose and we see him again as merely miracle or teacher or or someone skilled at healing we will never understand his authority to walk into our lives and to rescue us from our sin. Our initial sin. And then those onsetting sins we would never have a place, as we sang earlier. A place of refuge, when we are tempted. A place of empowerment when we want to fight, when we want to battle. And in fact, Jesus will say this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. He says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he says in John chapter 3, verse 35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. John chapter 13, verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he knelt down and washed the apostles' feet. Uh, Paul will tell us in Ephesians chapter 1, and if you need those verses again, I will gladly give them to you. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, Paul will say, God raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all, rule and authority and power uh, and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. And so, so, so God grants Jesus this authority to rescue man from sin. And then as we talk about the other leg extension of that authority, we find number two, that Jesus grants the authority to the church to activate her for the purpose of the gospel. See what he did there? say hey not only am i going to save you but i'm going to send you not only am i going to move in your heart i'm going to move through your life Uh, in fact matthew chapter 24 this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole earth as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come like that's what we're doing we're We're fulfilling this prophecy that that Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That Jesus looks and he says, all this authority that God has given me, I'm now entrusting to you. And my desire, as we get to Matthew chapter 28, right? The church does not just have the authority, but it has the responsibility. And I should say, I should probably say it this way, has the obligation to to being the light of the world. And so here's where, I, here's where I am with this passage. Because typically a guy like me will talk to a group like you, and when we talk about the centurion, and they'll say, man, if you just have enough faith, all the things in your life will be good, right? If you just share this post in 24 hours, you're going to have $100 in your mailbox, right? And though faith is important and it's vital. It is. But your faith isn't about you finding an avenue for your comforts. Right? Because you can be penniless and in love with Jesus. You can. It's possible. We we tend to wonder where Jesus is at when our internet's hiccuping in in our house. So, So we come to this place And I love the faith of the centurion. And I want to encourage you to grow faith. And the best way to grow faith is to walk closer to Jesus. It's that simple. Spend time in his word. Spend time praying. Spend time serving. Do those things. I believe you're going to fall more in love with Jesus. But don't miss the bigger picture here. That Jesus has the authority to heal this this servant without even seeing them. And that extension, this authority to heal with just the word, is the same authority that gives us the ability to be forgiven. And that's our greatest cause for celebration, each and every day. By just a word, it could happen, but that wasn't enough for him. He had to go to the cross. And as he goes, he lays his life down for us so, so that, there's a connection that all of that's available to us. It is. I, I just wonder if we're willing to walk in it. If we're willing to, if we, if we're daring enough to explore it. I ran out of notes, so we're done. I love you guys. This, this week our desire is to love God. Bye. Okay, as we wrap up, I'm going to pray us out, but. But I want to make a couple things available to you. Maybe you need some prayer today. There's a group of people over here. As you're leaving, they would love to pray with you. We want to battle with one another. We want to serve one another. And prayer is one of the best avenues to do that in. Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Maybe, maybe you've seen him moving around you, um, but your desire is that he would be moving in you. I believe he does that first to invite you in, to, to let you see your need for him. And so if today is the day of your awakening, we want to celebrate with you. We want to show you God's great love in Jesus. So we want to make those two things available. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you love us and you care for us and you move around us. I pray we would spend some time in these 10 verses this week, and that we would we would explore the faith as a centurion, but that would also explore the authority that you have to just speak and heal. Father, we 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 thank you that in Jesus that 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 just at his name the demons have to flee. That they lose all of their power, they lose all of their influence at the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray we would be a people who would understand that more and more, and we would invoke. His name to see him move in our lives. Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. All right. You're ticket out of here. Shake the hand of we did two last week, right? Three people that you don't already know. All right? God bless. You're dismissed.